them. All right, we've been doing a couple of things before uh, each sermon uh, where we're kind of naming some distinctives of the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is what we are. We're a covenant church. We're part of that denomination. And this week, we're going to talk about Mission Friends. That is the name of our first, that's the first name of our young denomination. In fact, before we became a denomination, we were known as Mission Friends. We were part of the Lutheran State Church in Sweden. And kind of the Lutheran Church State in, in Sweden had kind of become this stale, maybe more could be described more as a death, uh, deathly place, where more or less people went to it for baptism, weddings, and funerals. And that was about the extent of their experience with church. And so some people around the time that uh, literacy started to grow started to read the Bible for themselves. They called them readers, and then they started to realize that this Jesus thing, this God thing, actually can have something to do with our entire lives, impact our lives, and they realized that they could have a vibrant faith and that they wanted to sort of leave behind that stale uh, faith that they had grown up with. And they began to join God in mission, inviting their other friends to, to experience this vibrancy, this relationship with God. And they began to call themselves mission friends because they realized that a relationship with Jesus was about being in friendship with God and with one another, and they went on mission to invite other people into that relationship with God and with each other. And so we today, living that out, still try to live that. We try to live in relationship with one another and with God. We try to invite people into a vibrant relationship with Jesus. So that is one of our distinctives as a movement of the Covenant Church. And we've been covering a few of the, one of those each week over the course uh, of the last several weeks. All right, well, let's jump into the sermon today. And uh, if you saw our social media, we are going to be talking about movies. Now, my wife uh, and my family and I got back from vacation this past week. We had a ton of fun out in the mountains of Colorado. And there were moments of sheer joy. Like, there was one point where we were panning for gold, And my son, who wanted to know if he was doing it right, went up to the experts to ask them, how am I doing? Am I doing this right? And they said, absolutely, you're doing it right, and you have some gold in your pan. Yes. There was also the moment where we climbed up, free climbing, to the top of a mountain and looked out over the wonder of creation. It was amazing. There were also moments of sadness, like When we had gotten all of the gold panning kind of done, we collected the samples into the vial, we brought it up to the expert again and said, hey, how are we doing? And he said, it looks great. You've got a lot of Colorado yellow feldspar, some mica, and some pyrite, better known as fool's gold. Yep, that's right. We got fooled. No gold. And then, uh, of course, there was the moments of fear when we were climbing back down that free climb. Some of us got a little scared coming down the mountain. Well, the reality is whether you are on vacation or not, emotions are a part of life. We live in a world where we experience emotions. Life is full of emotions. But our culture has an interesting relationship with emotions. So, for example, we have sort of that saying from Woodstock, 
maybe you've heard it, if it feels good, do it, right? We also have, on the other hand, I've noticed that today we seem to have this relationship where if it feels bad, you need to get rid of it. Is that, you see that around? We also have this interesting relationship where we say, don't let your emotions control you, get the best of you, right? We have those sorts of saying. And that maxim is probably why I am probably one of the most stoic people that you know. My emotional responses are very measured. You'll rarely get a big reaction out of me emotionally, although I'm sure some of you will now try. <laughs> but what about you? What's your relationship with emotions? How do you relate to things when you experience sadness, when you're afraid, when you're angry? What do you do? Well, today we're going to be talking about the movie Inside Out. And we're going to see where God's truth is woven into the movie. And I want to talk about why we're doing this. Over the course of this next month, we're looking at four different movies. And I want to talk about why are we looking at movies. Because movies aren't scripture, but we believe that God is, God's truth is in some of these movies. In, in all of these movies, in fact. Uh, the world has a constant stream of ideas, messaging, things coming at you, right? You have your phone, it's constantly dinging at you, you have your TV, you have advertisements. All of these things, art, media, are coming at you all of the time. And it's important for us to know how to discern what is consistent with God's truth and what isn't. What doesn't quite line up. So whether you're watching a movie, a TV show, reading a book, looking at social media, a piece of art, we want to become good cultural detectives. We want to learn where do we find God's truth in these elements. Not because they have the same authority as scripture, they don't, but because we can recognize that God's fingerprints, his creation is on and in everything that we see. So we're going to try to offer some different comments on each of these four movies over the course of the next month, and as well as maybe a critique, something that we would say maybe doesn't quite line up with uh, Scripture. So over the course of the next few weeks, I want to invite you to consider watching the movie before you engage in the sermon. Uh, so we've got a list of those uh, coming out in our uh, email newsletter. If you're not on that, you can get on that. Uh, we can tell you what those are. This week, of course, we're going to be talking about the movie Inside Out. How many of you, out of curiosity, how many of you have seen it in here? All right, a fair, fair number, good, all right. Uh, don't worry if you haven't seen it. I will explain an, hopefully enough of the movie that you can follow along. Uh, if you want to get ahead for next week, you can watch next week's movie uh, as well. We'll be doing Just Mercy, so. All right, uh, so Inside Out, it's a movie that bring, honestly brings me to tears. I just told you I'm not overly emotional, but... Here's the thing. We transplanted our three kids to Mankato about two years ago, 2019, uh, to help them uh, to, to start this church. And this movie is all about an 11-year-old who experiences a move from Minnesota to San Francisco because her dad presumably gets a new job. So if you haven't seen it, most of the action follows the life of an 11-year-old named Riley, a little girl, moving from Minnesota 
uh, out to San Francisco. And most of the action actually takes place within her head. It's very interesting. They personify five different emotions. And we see uh, that they take turns controlling Riley. Uh, so it's sort of interesting. And then each of her memories becomes a, a ball that is represented by some color that corresponds with the emotion that she, the kind of the primary emotion that she was experiencing when she experienced that memory. So for example, joy is this, you know, colorful sunshine kind of color, sadness would be uh, a blue, and so on. So before the move, joy dominates Riley's life. Most of her memories are that golden color filled with joy and happiness. And in fact, all of her core memories, it sets up these core memories that kind of define her personality, are all joyful. They're happy. But after the move, something happens. Some of the other emotions begin to take control of Riley's life. Sadness begins to taint some of the memories, turning them blue. So for example, there's a moment where Riley recalls a memory of her friend, and that memory is a core memory. And it's happy because she's waltzing down the street together with her friend, hand in hand, just having a good time. But then sadness begins to get near it, and it begins to turn blue. As she realizes that this friend that she has had these you know, major life experiences with is now thousands of miles away, back home in Minnesota. And she's sad about that, naturally. So Joy tries to stop sadness and contain it. In fact, she literally draws a circle around sadness and says, your job is to stay right here. Sadness says, so you, so you just want me to stand right here? To which Joy uh, says, don't let me tell you how to do your job. Of course, it's a little funny for those of you who have seen the movie. But the problem is that sadness keeps getting out, getting out of that little circle, and she keeps messing things up. And the movie sets up, the, that whole thing sets up this tension of what is the purpose of sadness in life? Why does sadness exist in our lives? Why do we even have emotions? And what we're going to wrestle with today is a little bit about that. Why do we have sadness? But more so, what does God say about our emotions? So we're going to start with Jesus because that's what we do. We're all about Jesus here uh, at Crossview Rosa Parks. And Jesus is the embodiment of God in human flesh. So when we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus because Jesus embodied God in the fullness. Jesus is both fully God and fully human. It's an amazing paradox uh, that we won't go into all the details today. But what we know is that Jesus embodied emotions to their fullness. And it reminds, <clears throat> so we're going to see kind of how Jesus and this come together. And we're going to kind of walk through some of these emotions. First of all, I want to think about back to when I was in elementary school. So we had to memorize Bible verses. I went to a Christian school, so we had to memorize Bible verses for a couple of years. And uh, we had this one assignment where we had to pick our favorite verse, memorize it, and then recite it to the class. So uh, a couple of the boys picked out John 11.35. Anybody have any idea why they might have picked out John 
Yeah, a couple of you got it. It's okay if you don't. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Okay? And, you know, it maybe didn't quite fit the intention of what the teacher had. But there, was a, there is a major, I think, redeemable component to it. And so the teacher actually allowed it. If you don't know, the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11.35, says this. Jesus wept. And as I think about that today, I think, you know, the teacher was on to something in letting them memorize that. Because in our culture today, we often dismiss emotions like that. And it's part of this larger story of Jesus dealing with the death of his friend Lazarus. And so naturally, Jesus is going to cry when he loses a friend. And I think it reminds us that Jesus had emotions. Jesus cried. He wept. That's a strong version of crying. And I think it also reminds us that we, too, can grieve our losses. We don't have to contain sadness like Joy wanted to, or like Joy did in the movie. We know that Jesus experienced sadness because of the shortest verse in the Bible, but... Did Jesus experience the other emotions? Did Jesus experience fear? Did he experience anger? Did he experience disgust? I would say that the Bible doesn't explicitly say that he did experience those emotions. So I'll be forthright with you in that way. But I, I would also say that the answer still is yes, because I think we can see in his responses to different activities, I think we can see that he experienced emotions. So, for example, Jesus was in the garden praying before he was about to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to go to the cross, and he was literally begging and pleading with the Father, would you take this from me? Do I have to do this? Do I have to go to the cross? If you want me to, I will, but can we do it? Is there any other way? And it says in Luke chapter 22 that his sweat was literally like drops of blood. And I think it's safe to say that Jesus was facing the human reality we call fear, anxiety. And it's interesting because oftentimes when I experience fear, I have a physical uh, like reaction to that. I think back to when Sandy and I were getting married, I was slated to lead a mission trip with a bunch of college students to Russia. I was getting ready to move, and I was getting ready to be married to my wife. Was I stressed out? Yeah. And it showed on my body. I had bumps all over my hands. And I think Jesus similarly experienced that in the garden, except his was literally like sweat, uh, like drops of blood. He was experiencing fear. There's another uh, moment in Scripture that tells us in Matthew chapter 21 that Jesus entered the temple and he saw people selling animals and exchanging money. They were extorting people that were coming to worship God. And he got so angry, he flipped the tables over. Okay, it doesn't say he got angry, but I think we can assume and infer, uh, infer that he got angry. He flipped the tables over. And what I think is interesting about Jesus' anger, if we look at the places where he does things like that, his strongest words and the places where he seems to get angry 
are always most commonly, I think you can check this, uh, aimed at people who are keeping others from connecting with Jesus, from connecting with God. He reserves his strongest anger emotion for those who are stopping or keeping others from connecting with him and with God. Finally, in John chapter 2, Jesus is at a wedding. And presumably, I don't know if you've been to a wedding, but usually weddings are joyful experiences. There's celebrations, and Jesus joined in celebration. We don't get a specific image of how Jesus felt at that wedding, but we know that weddings are a source of joy and a source of fun. And I would argue that what happened at that wedding that day is that the host ran out of wine. Wine was a sign of joy. A lack of wine was a sign that there wasn't joy. So there was a lot of trouble happening at this wedding. And Jesus, albeit was a little hesitant, eventually did his first miracle, turning water into wine. I think demonstrating that, yes, Jesus was for joy and for us experiencing joy in life. Wine is often a metaphor in scripture for joy. So Jesus, I would say, experienced joy and wants us to experience joy. We also know that Jesus wants us to have joy because he said it in John chapter 15, verse 11. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So we know that we are made in the image of God. So if Jesus, who embodies God, who is God, experienced emotions, we too experience a full set of emotions. And it's not a sin to experience any emotion. If you get angry, that is not a sin. But scripture does say, do not sin in your anger. So back to the movie. I don't want you to ignore your emotions. There's a scene in the movie where joy and sadness are trying to get back to headquarters. And an old imaginary character named Bing Bong. And Bing Bong is trying to help them get back to headquarters. But along the way, he realizes that he's sad because Riley no longer plays with Bing Bong. She's grown up, and this is sad. And Joy tries to contain it. She tries to sort of pass it off. She says things like, oh, here's the tickle monster. She comes in and tries to distract him. She comes in and tries to do a goofy face and tries to get him to pretend like it's all okay. Life is okay. Let's figure out how to get back to headquarters. As she walks off, sadness comes into the picture. Sadness says, I'm sorry. That must be really hard to lose that, to lose all that time. She puts her arm around Bing Bong and hugs him. Bing Bong says, it's all I had left, the memories of her. And then after she hugs him, she says, Bing Bong says, I'm okay. Let's go. Joy looks back, astounded. How did you do that? And I think in this scene, the makers of the movie Inside Out got it right. They figured out something that is true. 
Romans 12 tells us that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and we are to grieve with those who grieve. Sometimes we need the same reminder that sadness gave joy. It's okay to grieve with those who grieve and to celebrate and rejoice with those who rejoice. But I wonder how often we are like joy. We try to pass it off, whether it's our own emotion or somebody else's. We say the craziest things. We don't like pain. We'll say something like, at least he's now in heaven. How? We say things like, you know, we try to explain God as if we know what he's thinking. We'll say something like, remember, God's in control. Or, it must be God's will. Ouch. Just try to distract and push it on. Or we try to minimize it. Look on the bright side. Things will get better. This is the worst one. Sometimes we unintentionally or intentionally blame people. Maybe you just need to pray more about that. And I wonder if there are emotions that you either are suppressing yourself or that you don't allow other people to have or that we as a community don't allow people to have. We don't allow people to have these emotions that are coming up in their lives. Or do we try to rush through our emotions? Well, in the end, the movie seems to indicate that if you reach out to family and communicate your sadness and work through it together, that everything will be all right. It is a Disney movie after all, so it does have a happy ending. In John uh, chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples that in this world you will face troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So I think sometimes, you know, we think that family or, you know, in the movie it displays family, hockey, friends, uh, goofball, like they have these core things that somehow are going to make life better or make, help us make it through life. And I think that's where one thing where I would slightly critique the movie in that as followers of Jesus, we would say anything other than Jesus that you put your hope in is going to fail you at some point in time. And the only sure thing that we have is God, Jesus in the flesh. He is the one that we put our hope in, our eternal life. So our hope is not in a happy existence in this world. Our hope is in eternal life with Jesus. Trials are a part of life. We're going to experience those things. And the question that I have for us is, where are you putting your hope? Is it in God, or is it in something else? And the reality is that anything other than Jesus is going to disappoint you. So I want to encourage you this week to become a good cultural detective. Likely, you're going to see all sorts of advertisements. Maybe you're going to watch some TV. Maybe you're going to watch the Olympics. You're going to see some art. You're going to see advertisements. You're going to read a book. You're going to be on your phone. You're going to see social media. Don't be a passive consumer of all of the media and art that you experienced this week. I want to encourage you to think about what's one truth that God has in this thing that I'm seeing or experiencing or hearing. What are some Bible passages that maybe would line up with that, that would tell me, yeah, I think this is actually a part of God's truth? You might even need to check with a friend, say, hey, you know, I was thinking about this. Is this part of God's truth? What would you say? Is there a Bible verse that maybe goes along with that? And then what's one critique that you would have? 
anything made by humans is naturally going to be flawed because we're human. There's going to be some errors and things in it. So you, what's one thing that maybe doesn't quite line up with God's plan or intent? So I encourage you to be a cultural detective. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is create space for the full set of human emotions. That's the encouragement that the movie Inside Out has given us. And I think it's an encouragement that scripture would give us. In the movie, of course, sadness is sort of dismissed, but we can dismiss any emotion. Um, so I want to encourage you to be aware and to experience the fullness of all of those emotions. One thing you might try to do, uh, I had to do this because, uh, again, stoic guy that I am, I had to actually start journaling every night what were my strongest emotions, so I would start to become aware of what emotions I actually had. So maybe you want to do an emotional journal uh, for a while. Write down what was the strongest emotion that I had uh, today and see kind of what was happening. can help you become more aware of your emotions. Or uh, the other thing you might want to do is read the Psalms. The Psalms are a picture of the full range of emotions that people can experience. Uh, during different times in my life, I've read a psalm every day uh, just to, to experience that and to think about the different emotions that we can experience as humans. Or maybe you're facing something in particular right now. Something's going on in your life, and you need to find one psalm that you just sit in every day. Because the interesting thing about the psalms is they allow for the fullness of emotions, but they always will point you back to Jesus, back to God. Um, so maybe you just need one psalm that you live in for this season where where you're going through something difficult. And I want to imagine as we close, what would happen if we were a community that allowed a full set of emotions, that encouraged that instead of shutting it down? I imagine that people would be able to be more themselves. They would be able to be who they are. And we would be able to invite them in and point them to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thanks uh, for all of the different media and art and creativity that you have put in people and that we get to experience that. We get to see some of your truth at work in places like the movie Inside Out. That we get to experience that when we're watching the news or listening to a um, something, a song, or seeing an art piece, or uh, even um, reading our social media or seeing our social media. We can see you and your fingerprints at work in those spaces. Help us to be good cultural detectives, to see where you are at work. Uh, help us to create space for people to experience the full set of emotions.